Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 4 today. We have been going through Israel's history, and we have just seen where the last part of Israel, Judah, was taken captive by this nation called Babylon. And so Daniel, it, it, the first part, at least the section we're into right now, covers what happens in captivity with a few Israelites. But today, instead of just focusing on Israel, on God's people, we're going to be focusing on King Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon. He is the one that has enslaved the nations around him. He has crushed every nation that has come up against him. And so we basically get to see this really cool event happen between him and God that changed his life forever. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 4, starting at verse 28. And when you're there, say amen. Awesome. All right, let's do this. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months... He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? It's important to understand and what we're going to be realizing between Nebuchadnezzar is that pride blinds truth. Pride keeps you from seeing the truth. It keeps you from seeing the truth of God, of the actual reality around you, because you're seeing through a perverted lens. Pride is a perverted lens over our eyes. And what's funny about this king is he's pretty interesting, because this is not the first time he has an experience with God. And just a little context on these verses, the first part of Daniel chapter 4 is the king who is the ruler of the known world, right? He has crushed Israel. He crushed everyone that comes up against him. He has everything that he wants. He is having these dreams, these nightmares, and he is frightened. He is scared. Even on top of the world, you can still have fear. You can still have anxiety. You can still feel depressed. And so he's struggling with what's happening. And he goes to a guy named Daniel because previously he had met Daniel in an interesting fashion because the king has a dream previously and he tells all his scholars and magicians and astrologers and everything else like, hey, I've had a dream. Tell me what it is and interpret it. And they're like, okay, if you tell me what the dream is, I'll tell you. He's like, no, 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 no. You tell me what I dreamed and then you interpret it for me. And if you don't, I'm going to rip you all apart. Like, your houses will be burned, you'll be destroyed. And so all the officials are, are tripping because they're like, I, nobody can do that. You've asked something impossible. So the word gets to Daniel, and Daniel goes to his Israelite friends and says, hey, let's pray, let's intercede. God will tell us what to say, what to do, so that we're not destroyed as well. And so God gives Daniel the dream, the vision, and the ability to interpret it. So he goes before the king, he tells him what the dream is, and then he interprets it for him. He says, because I can't do it, but my God can. My God is above everything. 
and he knows your thoughts. He knows your minds. He's given you this. And he tells him what it is. And so this king is like praising God, like, oh, this is awesome, fantastic, and then basically sends away. And then he ends up building this golden statue and throws three Israelites to the furnace because they won't bow down to it. They are rescued by God. They come out unburned, don't even smell like smoke. And again, he praises God. He's like, oh, this is awesome. And now he's having a dream and he's scared to death. And he goes to God once more through Daniel. And his dream is this, this giant tree that's feeding everyone and it's blessing the whole earth, but then it's chopped down and just the stump is left and its roots are left. And Daniel's scared to death because he says, King, you are this tree. Your empire is huge. You are great, but God is going to cut you down. He said, please turn from your sin. I don't want this to happen to you. Turn from your sin. Start repenting with action bless people, serve people, help the oppressed. And so the king has a year. God gives him a year. And so that's where we come into play with this verse at the end of 12 months. He's on the roof walking. He's like, wow, look at what I've done. Man, I'm great. Aren't I fantastic? It's not God. I'm not giving anyone else glory other than me. This is all me, man. Mine, 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 mine. And so that's where he, had, he has this sense of pride. And it's a perfect textbook example of how you can know of God, but not really know him. And I've known a lot of people in my life that know of Jesus, but they don't know him. They don't really know him. They don't have a relationship with him. And so they can talk the talk, but they definitely do not live it out. And it's because their pride can be a stumbling block. Our self gets in the way from knowing God's truth. And most people don't want to submit to God fully. We want to come to God and we're like, when we're in trouble and I need help through this problem or I need help with my marriage or finances or I need blessings and I want peace in my life and all that sounds great and you come to God for all the good stuff. But when it comes to denying yourself, picking up your cross and following Jesus, we don't like it. Living that out is difficult and it means we have to do something about it. We have to do something on following Jesus. We have to submit to his authority completely. And so even as Christians, we can struggle with pride. I don't know about you. I have issues too sometimes with pride. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're holy and this message is not for you. Fantastic. But a lot of us deal with pride. We struggle with it. And it can be in your job, in your accomplishments, stuff you're good at, whatever else. Or it can be something really weird that I've noticed Christians also do. That maybe you don't perceive it as pride, but it still is. For example, Christians try to turn pride into uh, it's not that bad if it's holy kind of thing. I'll give you an example. So you can tithe your 10%, right? And uh, instead of giving 10%, you're like, I'm going to give 11.5% because I'm a great Christian. And I don't know about you, but you just give 10%, I give more. I'm better. And it starts that pride can seep in. Or I prayed for four people today. Have you prayed for not that many, huh? That sucks for you. Sorry. I'm a better Christian. Or whatever it is. Or your role in ministry, your role in the body of like, man, I'm great at what I do. I'm the best greeter this church has got. I bless all of you. Or I'm the best kids worker this church has. Or I'm the best whatever. Or I make coffee better than everybody. I sprinkle a little something in it. It's delicious. Nobody else does it like me. And that pride starts to seep in and it's damaging just as bad as that is the same that Nebuchadnezzar is dealing with. Pride is pride. And that crushes our walk with God. Because pride prevents us from appreciating the fullness of Christ's character and his work. 
Pride keeps us looking inward at ourself, constantly looking at yourself, comparing yourself to others, where when you follow Jesus truly and let go of that uh, and humble yourself before God, you start looking outward. God, how can I best serve you? How can I advance your kingdom? How do I bless someone else? How do I help someone? If I stop worrying about me all the time and just my family, my little area, how can I help other people? You have to get to a point where you say, it's not about me. It's about everyone else. I live to serve. That's what Christians do. We live to serve. And if that's not in your heart, then maybe you're dealing with pride right now. Or maybe you've dealt with it in the past. Because honestly, everything you have to offer and everything that you think you're good at or people have told you that you're good at, you only have because God allows it. You can't even breathe without him giving you the go. Like, he allows you to breathe. Like, you think you're a great athlete? Great, he can take your legs. He can take your arms. God can strip whatever it is from you at any moment. And just knowing that and humbling yourself before God, you can realize, wow, it's not all about me. He is totally in control. And this is exactly what happens to King Nebuchadnezzar, is he, have to, he has to go through something hard to understand this attribute of God. So turn with me to verse 31, please. It says, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. Sometimes we must learn humility through humiliation or in humiliation. Have you experienced this? You got humility because you went through something tough. A lot of people, that's how they come to Christ is they, were, they came to the end of themselves, they were completely crushed, had nowhere to turn, and then like Jesus, I'm here, can you help me? Now that I'm done with all this stuff and I'm done trying to live for myself, can you help me and get me out of this situation? And a lot of times that's what God will do for all of us. And what's interesting to know, what happens to King Nebuchadnezzar, it says while the words were still in the king's mouth, that God had shut him down. Shut the situation down. And something that even happened to me first service, there will be something in my mouth that as soon as I know I'm about to say it and I say it, I immediately regret it. You can immediately say something like, oh, wow, should not have said that. That's bad. Going to need to edit that out of the podcast or whatever else it is. Or when, you're, when I'm talking to Shay and as I'm saying something and immediately regret it, like, why am I saying this as it's coming out? Like, oh, I should not have done that. This is going to cause issues, right? And you wish like, oh, Lord, just, just shut my mouth sometimes. And, and for a lot of us, maybe we feel that way and we regret what we say immediately. But King Nebuchadnezzar, that was not the case with him. 
He didn't regret it. He's experienced God in miraculous ways already before, like three times. And now it's coming to fruition that he's still full of pride, still all about me. Look at my kingdom. Look at what I have. And so God has to shut the situation down. And I wonder for people like this that don't regret their actions and don't regret their decisions or don't regret their words or whatever it is, why should they be warned? You know those people? You think, think of that person that has it coming. Someone popped in your head, yeah? Somebody? Someone? Who has it coming? And I wonder what your viewpoint, what your perspective is about that person that has it coming. And when you see it happen to them, you're like, yep, knew it. Can't wait till you fall flat on your face. You need this. The Lord bless you. You know what I mean? And we can act that way or, well, I mean, but the attitude that we should have, it should be opposite of that. We should desire what God desires, and it's reconciliation and helping someone else out. And God, he has used this king, King Nebuchadnezzar, to pronounce judgment on his people. And he is using this king and his nation as an instrument of his wrath and his justice. And he's wiping people out. And so God doesn't just use people. He wants to invest in people. And I wonder if you do that. Do you view your relationships with people as investments that you are helping other people or people are helping you? I wonder if you invest in other people when there's nothing in it for you. When there's nothing possible you could get out of it, you're just doing it because you know it needs to be done. You know God loves them and right now you are put in that person's life to help them. Whether or not you know the outcome or you see what's going to happen or you get involved in church and you don't know that, nobody knows the future of this church. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Should that stop us from investing and being all in right now? No, hopefully not. Nobody said anything. The answer was no, just so you guys know. Because humans are the royal image of God. That's why God invests in us, because he created us to be like him, to be made in his likeness, to rule and steward the earth in situations on his behalf. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to have that, but... When we choose to refuse that, and when we sin and we do things our way, we become just like King Nebuchadnezzar and just like beasts, just like mere animals, below our normal humanity that God desires for us, that Jesus desires for us, and we live in this animalistic state because we are redefining what is right and wrong, and we choose to glorify ourselves. It's when we lose sight of God that we resort to this animalistic instinct of life. And you live in a way, just kill or be killed. It's all about me and mine. And God is showing us in the scriptures that when we put ourselves above him, we actually, instead of bettering ourselves, we become uncivilized, ungroomed, and a fraction of the person that we were meant to be. And you can see the world around you, how dark it gets, how dark it is. And it's because people are trying to elevate themselves in their way of life above what God says is already there. He already wants the best for you, but you think you know what's best. So how do we get back on track with this real humanity? How do we get back on track with what Jesus desires for us? Well, it only happens when we personally recognize God and the status he gives us, and we understand his status is above ours and everyone else's. And you have that when you, when you humble yourself before God and you start realizing just a little bit, because you really can't comprehend how big and how great God is. 
There's no way in your brain you can truly recognize how glorious God is. But when you get a fraction of it, you start to understand, wow, like, wow, you are huge. You control everything? Like, I'm breathing because you allow it? I have a family because you allow it? And you start having that healthy fear of God that you are in control. And you can say yes or no to anything. And so when you do that, it starts changing your perspective. And you start living in a place where it's like it's an honor to serve you, God. You enjoy being the clay. You don't want to be the potter. You, Lord, use me. I'm so privileged and honored that you would even want to use me. That's fantastic. Whatever you want. Whatever you desire. And that's what humbling yourself before God looks like. And instead of just reacting to the world around you and just rolling with the punches, we can get to a place where we don't just react to problems and situations, but God gives us that ability to anticipate. He prepares us beforehand. And he allows us to, we can pray before situations before they even start affecting our life. God can prepare you for something that he's going to put you into as you humble yourself before him and you communicate with him. And the Bible tells us to dress ourselves in humility. And this is in 1 Peter chapter 5, if you're taking notes. And the verse to dress ourselves in humility is interesting because there's something happens when you dress yourself in humility. Because at the few verses afterwards, God also says to cast all your anxieties onto him. And I was reading this, I'm like, why are these paired together? And God was reminding me that as people try to live this way, live the way I've called them to live, put me first, put other people's first, that fear and that anxiety can set in. Because instead of like, you have this feeling of, if I don't take care of it, if I don't take care of this situation or do this, then it's not going to get done. And instead you stop trusting God. But when you seek humility, when you dress, dress yourself in humility, God says, give me all your worries give me your anxieties, and I will take care of you. Because he knows it's hard, and he knows that we need rescue from our thoughts, we need rescue from our way of life, and we need rescue from our fears. Every one of us can have fears when we truly try to live that way. But God promises to take care of you as you dive deeper into trusting him. And maybe you've experienced humiliation in this way, or you're going to because you're prideful right now. And like Daniel told King Nebuchadnezzar, repent now. You don't have to go through it. But even if you are going through it or you have been through it, it doesn't have to last forever. You can let go of your ego and your pride and be humbled before God. And such was the case with King Nebuchadnezzar. Turn with me to verse 34. It says, At the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. 
we can learn from this that humility brings blessings. Humility brings blessings. Did you note that it wasn't until he lifted his eyes to heaven that his reason came back? His sound mind, that clarity came back. And you got to imagine this guy's having seven seasons or seven years of being an animal, just living like an animal, eating grass. And as soon as he looks up to heaven and recognizes God's authority, everything changed in an instant. God revealed to him who he truly was. And not only did he get sound mind and clarity, but he got his kingdom back and it became an even greater kingdom. And he got more honors and more splendor. And it's the same thing of what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Stop worrying about all these things you can't control and seek first the kingdom of God. Seek God first, put God in your life, and he takes care of everything else. Amen? Have you experienced this? It's also funny to note, and this is why I love that the Bible is so connected, that the Old Testament is connected to the New Testament, and the God of the Old Testament is still the God of the New Testament. And Jesus says something on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. He says, the meek will inherit the earth. And when I read that this week, I laughed because that's pretty much what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Meek symbolizing those who are submissive to God, who humble themselves before God, inherit the earth. And here he is. He completely humbled himself before God and praised God. And God gave him basically the known world at the time. He blessed him beyond what any king at his time or, or in a while had experienced. It's just a textbook example. And it's just, it reminds us that we inherit God's benefits and reign with him in the end. Even if you don't see it now, your eternity is set when you trust in Jesus. And if anyone truly understood the majesty and authority of God, it would be King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Because if you think you have an elevated position or you think you're a big shot or you think you're somebody, you are nothing compared to this guy, worldly standards. This guy said who lived and who died. There was no nation, there was no king that was going to come up against him. Nobody was going to step to King Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody had that power. He controlled everything, and yet he could not overpower God. And when he recognized this, his life began to change. He started realizing the character of God, his authority, and he knew that nothing, no king, he said, I can't compare to this guy. Nobody can compare to God. Nobody tells God what to do. And when he understood this, God blessed him. And it takes us to understand that God will strip away everything that you have or what you think you're being blessed by to give you what is most important, and that is a personal relationship with him. That is what matters the most. That is what your eternity is hinged upon. Not all your works and everything that you do, but whether or not you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you follow him. Nothing else matters other than that. That has to be our starting point. That has to be the most important thing in our life. And so God will strip that away just to show you this is what matters. I care about you. Your future is set so you can go through problems right now for you to know me because I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want us to have a relationship. So at its core, humility is a faith issue because those who are humble before God are that way because they know God. They know who God is. They've come to that understanding that he is above everything else in their life. 
And through that, they can trust him. I know I can trust you. I know that you're going to get me through. And I don't have to worry about everything else or feel like I need to do everything. I can just abide in you, Jesus. And the question, if you're struggling with knowing that you're blessed right now, or you don't see your blessings, or you're going through situations where you don't feel blessed at all, first you need to check your humility. Where do you stand with God? Is he above you in all that you do and everything that you think? Or are you above him in areas of your life? You need to check your faith. Do you really trust him? Do you trust what the Bible says? Do you trust that he's there for you, that he's walking with you? Or do you go to him when it's convenient and when you need something? And you also need to check your worship. Because if you notice, once Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself, the first thing he did was worship God. He worshiped God. Can we have that attitude today? Imagine if you had seven years or seven seasons of eating grass like an ox and and living outside, and then you were able to come in church and worship God. How loud would you be? How much would you clap? How much would you cry? How much would you exalt God? How much would you praise God? And we turn this word worship into this weird little sub-concept in church of it's just a Sunday thing and you come and we have all these weird problems sometimes with church. Like, oh, I really didn't like that song today. Man, I wish they'd do a new song. This song is so annoying. Like they've sang it five times the past month. Like, can't we do a new song? Or you start looking at other people like, why aren't they raising their hands? Don't they love God? Don't they surrender? Why is he raising his hands too much? How dare he in church? Ooh, he's clapping too loud. He's not clapping enough. And we have all these things we start focusing on instead of focusing on God first. And we look at it as it's something that you just do in church on Sunday morning for 30 minutes. whoop de doo Worship is not a feel-good moment, and it's not just a sing-along you do on Sunday. Amen? It is a lifestyle. Worshiping God should be a lifestyle, a Monday thing, a Tuesday thing, a Wednesday thing, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and so on. It should be in constant communication with God. And the more you're abiding in Christ, the more you're serving him, the more you worship his name, the pride in your life will be crushed. It goes bye-bye. It goes away completely. You don't have to worry about your ego because the more communication you are with God, the more you realize you're in charge. I'm nobody. I got nothing to offer unless you live through me, unless you help people through me. I know my place in the world. And in that, he lifts you up and he honors you at the same time you are honoring him. So our worship is a great indicator of how we view God. And God just doesn't want to give us these earthly blessings of just a good job or a healthy family or healthy life or whatever else. He wants to bless you with his spirit living in you constantly. He wants to touch people through you, to bless and love people through you. And the only way you can do that, it has to start with humbling yourself before God, accepting him, letting his spirit reside in you. And as he does that, then you start getting the fruits of the spirit. You want love in your life? You need the Holy Spirit. You want to be kind. You want to be good. You want to have faithfulness. You want peace. You want gentleness. You want self-control on issues that you can't control. You need him living in you. And the more you seek him, the more you humble yourself to an almighty God, the easier that becomes. It just naturally flows throughout your life. You won't be perfect all the time. You'll be better than you were last week. And then you'll be better than you were the week before. And you will constantly grow and be constantly sanctified. And it's because you're choosing to humble yourself to God and live to serve. So I wonder if we can truly humble ourselves before God, even right now in this moment throughout the rest of the week, 
throughout the rest of our lives? Can we truly humble ourselves and recognize our place that he is first above everything else? Can we trust him and recognize that he's in control even when we don't see it, when we don't think he is? We praise God, you're the king of everything, but you get in a situation like, I don't know. I really don't know right now. Are you still king? Yes, he's still king. Can you trust him? That's where the faith comes in. Fruit of the Spirit, faith comes in to trust him even when you don't see him acting. And can you live in such humility that we model Christ to people, that we draw people in because it's Jesus through us, that we love people and we serve other people and we bless the community around us because we humble ourselves before God and trust him. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.